Hello and welcome to the 40 Athletes Podcast. Before we get started, be sure to sign up for our free course for parents on how to navigate your kid through sports. The link is in the YouTube description, so be sure to go to our YouTube channel, our 40 Athletes, and it'll give you tips and strategies to help you and your kid develop the courage to have great skill sets and experiences in sports and in life. Now, let's begin. Hello, welcome to episode number 97 of the 40 Athletes Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Holzer, along with my good buddy, Jimmy Huber. Jimmy, good morning to you. Good morning, Jason. Jimmy, our guest today, speaking of 97, his changeup comes in at about 97 miles an hour because he throws about 103 most days. So, you know, we're pretty excited about today's guest, not only because, yes, he was a Cardinals pitcher, former All-Star, but who he becomes, he's a passionate dad of three, and he's really passionate about being a great husband. I know Jim, that's something that you and I are really passionate about as well, is, is being there for our kids and being the best spouse possible. But I can't even relate because I was a crafty lefty, and they said I couldn't even hit 55. Like Sammy Hagar, I can't drive 55. So I'd be throwing that you know, curve, change up, whatever, and then I'd have a guy like Trevor coming in, throwing about 90-something, thinking about 150 coming at him. That's right. So, yeah. Having an arm like that would have been nice back in the day. Well, hey, Jimmy, you know, you might have a chance, though, because they said last year there was more balls thrown between 45 and 55 in the major leagues than ever before in history. Wow. I might need to get a hold of uh, Trevor up, and man. see if I can get back in it. Let's go. I'm just saying, so. Well, let's go ahead and bring Trevor on. Let's go ahead and get the show started. So, Trevor, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, thanks. Uh Excited for this. Been looking forward to this for a while now, a few weeks. So thanks for having me on. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked a couple of times and we've, we've had great conversations about how sports helps you become the best person possible. Right. And so, you know, I want to dive into that. How is, have you developed like the relentless mindset? How has sports helped you become a better person? So it helps you become a better player. Yeah, no, I, it's been, uh, it's been great since we've gotten, we've been able to connect and, learn more about 40 athletes and the work you guys are doing. It's, it's exciting, man. It, it, I've been impressed with everything you have going on and, and the direction you're headed and really, you know, the intent behind it, I think is, is it just gets me excited. And I'm, I'm I don't know how the stars align to bring us together, but I, I sure am thankful for it and uh, look forward to, you know, doing anything I can myself individually or my network to continue to help you guys, you know, make, make this impact in, in our communities and in the world today. Um, but yeah, go jumping into the question here, developed, developing uh, the relentless mindset into self-excellence. It's, it's been a crazy adventure. You know, I was drafted at 19 years old and um, getting to you know, live out a childhood dream and, but going really into uncharted waters. And, and, and I quickly learned that professional sports was, a great outlet, out, a great outlet for the competitiveness that I, I naturally, you know, I had by nature and, um, you know, wanting to compete and wanting to be the best at everything. And I, I, through those early years found that that competitiveness was good at baseball, but not necessarily good to have in, in other areas of life. There's, there's certain areas where I didn't want to be the best and maybe the best at going out and partying or buying, the fanciest items, um, you know, just those different things. And, and I, I was fortunate really to be surrounded by good people and, and good mentors at that time in my life um, that 
I, you know, I was able to look at their lives and see what they were doing with that competitiveness away from the field and, and the results that they were getting. And um, I think that was the, the biggest stepping stone into be in, into into self excellence and, and and being able to be competitive and not dial that back, but make sure I was giving attention to the areas that I wanted to have the most success. And and that was obviously baseball first and foremost, especially in those in those early years. And um, and, and so developing that relentless mindset uh, more than anything is just excluding the distractions. And uh, there's only so many hours in the day. There's only so much capacity that we have to focus on, on a goal. And um, oftentimes that, that gets clouded by trying to do too many things at once or not putting enough attention in, into the, into the one thing that you really, for me, that that's, that's where that relentless mindset for, for self-excellence came from. It's over when you talk about that. There's a couple of things I'd like to get into, but one you mentioned is, you know, it's like focusing on something, right. And we can get distracted, right. A lot of times when people are going after something and there's only so many hours in a day, like I'll tell kids all the time, Hey, how many hours a day does a non-successful person have? How many hours a day does a successful person have? It's not a trick question. They've got the same amount of time. What are suggestions you can give the individuals of how to maximize their time and to use it wisely to stay focused on what they need to get done each and every day to be the best version of themselves? Yeah, you got to you, you really need to, first and foremost, identify um, what you're trying to accomplish. And, and sometimes that, that's a hard question to ask yourselves. And I've played I've had many teammates who. You know, whether they came from a high school, a small town or a college, they were the best the best player on their team in those arenas. Um, but then you get to professional baseball and you realize every single person around you was also that same that same person. And and so there's some some tough answer, questions that you have to ask yourself of, OK, I, I was really good here, but now it's a different playing field. Is this something that I, I realistically have a chance at accomplishing a goal in my case of becoming a, a major league baseball player. And, and you may, maybe not, maybe you have to go a different direction. Um, but for me at that point, I quickly realized that I, I was going to have that opportunity. I, I, my talent level, even when I was surrounded by the best in the world, I was still at the, at that top 1% and, and, and doing that self-reflection and, and having that recognition internally um, with myself and having that self conversation, uh, it, it was it started to kind of brew the plan or the goal uh, uh, and of how I was gonna best accomplish that. And um, and like you said, there's there's only so many hours in the day. And and I think when you're starting out anything anything new, especially those those early years, if you have 12 hours in the day and, and you're wanting to accomplish X goal the majority of that, that the big percentage of that chunk of time should be centered around chasing that goal. And, and that's going to automatically eliminate the other things, the other things that are going to take away from that goal. And, and it's not in, and I say that it's, it's really easy to say today. And, and but at the same time, I know in my experience in, in, in professional sports and the teammates I've had, I was one of maybe 50 of my peers that made that decision. Um, 
and I, and I've been able to reap, reap the rewards from it. Uh, but I've also seen as I've gone up the ladder and, and now, you know, being a, a major league baseball veteran, veteran, the other players and the other peers that I've had that have accomplished that same amount of time or that same level of success in this arena all made that same decision. It's not, there's no secret, there's no magic pill or, or life hack. Um, it, it truly requires the, the discipline, the dedication for one, but also almost more importantly, the sacrifice to the things that are going to take away from that. And, and, and sometimes those aren't, those aren't bad for me. It was, you know, sacrificing the, you know, the negative things of, like I mentioned, just having fun and going out with friends and enjoying the night out on the town. Um, but sometimes it's sacrificing that time with your family, missing the birthday parties, missing the holidays that fall on a, on a federal calendar or, um, especially in baseball world, you, you know, you, you don't get the summers. So there's never been a summer where I've been able to go out on the boat at the lake and, and enjoy the 4th of July and, and do all these different things. Um, and, and that, and that's part of it. I think anybody, any high level performer has had to make those sacrifices good and bad. When you, Jason mentioned the mental toughness and like this week, I, coach basketball and I'm working with the teams that I'm coaching and the topic is, is grit. And of course, Angela Duckworth, you know, she wrote a book on grit and defined that as like the number one character trait that someone can have really to indicate her success. And she says that that definition of it is like to have passion and perseverance towards your goals. And like you look at your life, like baseball player growing up with Cali County, my understanding where you're a shortstop, you weren't a pitcher at that time. So you transition into pitcher. Can you talk to about your journey and then also how you can help individuals understand how to maybe, you know, you're shifting a little bit of the course. It's maybe not going to go exactly the way you want to get to where you want to be. And sometimes you got to go through adversity and you got to go through some obstacles and you got to stay the course to get to where you want to be. Yeah. You, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I mean, it all comes down to the, the choices that you make and, and every choice that you make is going to have a, a result, a repercussion. Um, and in, for me, in, in my personal experience, um, I, I, I feel fortunate because I, I wasn't ever, I wasn't a top pick. I wasn't um, given, you know, the multi-million dollar signing bonus. I, I never, especially early in my career was, given this sense of, oh, you've made it like that, you know, you've, you've achieved the goal. And, and I think I, I view that as, as a being a very fortunate and it, it, it certainly would have been nice and would have given me a lot more security and, in, in, in life and financially. Um, but it also never took away that drive and that hunger and, 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 and it really, inst it helped me to learn that lesson of grit early on, um, you know, being the underdog or, or being not the recognized person, not giving the advantage in, in the competition settings. And um, I think going back to just the choices that you make, I, I started to learn, okay, if I, if I make this choice today, how is that going to affect tomorrow? And, and I tried to simplify it down to just the simplest form that I possibly could, especially early on um, with choosing okay, tonight, instead of going out and staying up late, I'm going to go to bed early. Um, 
my roommate, the rest of my teammates, they're all going out and they're having a good time and they're still performing really well. For whatever reason, I felt that I wanted to choose the opposite. I wanted to prioritize my sleep, prioritize my nutrition, and and then also make the choice to wake up the next day before everybody else. Make the choice to arrive at in my, you know, at the field, at the baseball field early, get there before everybody else. I wanted to win at all the competitions, whether it, we were running sprints for conditioning, um, doing a, a fielding practice drill, or competing in a game as a pitcher on the mound. I, I wanted to make the choices that I felt would lead to having the success in, in all those areas. And, and those, those choices started to compound. And, and I think that's probably one of the most overlooked lessons, um, you know, when talking to younger players, professionals or amateurs is the, the choices that you make not only impact that day or the next day, but the choices that you make also are going to have this compounding effect where it creates habits. And the longer you feed these habits, the longer you, you surround yourself with people that don't have the same goal or the same mindset or aren't on the same path, the harder it is, the harder it's going to be to break those habits. And, and we all know, especially in the athletic world, we, we, every single person has a clock, whether you're Tom Brady or LeBron James that has 40 year clocks or other athletes that their clocks end in, in college or high school, it, it ends for somebody, everybody at some point. And I think with, with, I, I've seen with peers and teammates, when that clock runs out, a lot, the ones that created the bad habits, they, they're trying to change it. And, and oftentimes it's too late. And, and that's just the reality of being an athlete is that clock runs out and even if you realize it and try to make the adjustment at that point in time, the, the clock's done. And, and so you're, it's, it's a good time to still learn the lesson and make the adjustment for whatever else you're going to do. Um, but like I said, I was fortunate early on to make some different choices and I've seen the compounding effect of that. And, and I can say today I'm reaping the benefit of, of, of those choices and, and, and of those habits. And um, it's certainly helped me avoid different heartaches that I know I, I could have encountered or I've seen others encounter. And certainly my life isn't, isn't perfect or without challenges today, but um, I'm thankful that I, I do have some habits in place today that I didn't necessarily know I was instilling at that time. You know, Trevor, you've been in uh, some very high leverage situations. Number one is the closer in general, like the last three outs, I always say in baseball are always the hardest to get, but you've also pitched in two world series. You know, you've had a lot of, uh, you pitched some of the best hitters in the world. How have you been able to number one, stay calm in those high leverage situations? What are your tactics that you use to, is it breath work? Is it, you know, positive self-talk? And then let's say, you know, there's been moments maybe where you've some a hitters gotten to you, right? Rope to double, home run, that kind of stuff. How do you reset, recover for the next batter after that as well? Coming to that like high pressure mindset and, and being able to stay calm, stay true to yourself, even when you can feel the mounting pressure around you. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's so I think so many things that go into it, but at the end of the day, there's, there's really one thing that when I, when I'm working with young athletes or um, if I'm, if for now, you know, in my, in my personal life, if I'm entering into a new adventure that I don't have experience in, 
I, I've learned that there's no replacement for the preparation. And preparation includes so many different things, like, we, we, like I've mentioned. Um, but for me, that preparation was, was really on the mental side. You know, we can, physical work is, is one thing, but when you're doing the physical work, what, what are you thinking about? And how are you, how are you visualizing? And the visual, visualization for me came in two forms. One, um, it didn't, it doesn't matter even to this day, it doesn't matter if I'm here in St. Louis, Missouri, where it's 20 degrees and I'm indoors in a baseball facility at nine o'clock in the morning, throwing in, throwing into a net by myself, uh, doing the, doing the physical work in my mind, I'm somewhere completely different. I'm on a, I'm on a mound, uh, in, in a world series game. I'm, I'm pitching in a high leverage situation with, with the game on the line every single time. And, and that was something I did early on and I, I still do, do today. And I think that that visualization is key in, in doing, taking that visualization into the physical work and while you're doing it. Um, and then on the flip side, in when you're, when you're getting ready to enter into competition, formulating the process to, of, of, your routine for one, the physical routine of how I'm going to warm up, how I'm going to, how many pitches I'm going to throw in the bullpen or what I'm going to eat this day. Um, how, how many hours I'm going to sleep, who I'm going to talk to on the phone. You, you want to have some sort of routine that is, is concrete and written out and planned. Um, and then to go along with that, a, a visual visualization plan, you can call it meditation, visual visualization, um, where you spend time just internally, still not moving, thinking about what does this look like in my mind? What, what is the result that I visualize? What are, how does that, how does that sound? What are the, what are the feels? What are the smells? Um, how can I, how can I experience that before I enter into that, into that competition? Um, and, and it's almost tricking, tricking your body to, to have already been there and done it and, and, and to feel what that's like. And, and I think that's helped me in those moments, uh, it, it, it's almost like a sense of security. And, and people oft, often ask me, you know, what, what's it like when, when that, that last hour in the World Series and the crowd's going crazy, there's 40,000 people and millions of people watching on TV. And how, how do you stay focused? And um, the, an the answer is really simple is I, I don't hear them. I, 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 don't, I don't see anything except for the, the catcher's glove. Um, or the target or the, the result I'm, I'm going after. And, and two, I, I feel like I've already been there before. I've, I've been preparing for this all winter long. I, I was in this situation in a batting cage in, you know, Kansas City or St. Louis, Missouri by myself. And I'm, I'm just doing it again. This isn't the first time I've been here. Um, and I'm not, sh I, I'm not sure how many other people take that approach. I, I would say uh, in my research, I found that there's a lot of high performers that utilize this, whether it's with baseball, different sports or, or different level of um, performers in, in, in different fields. But um, yeah, I, I think that that would, that would be for me, what I would attribute a lot of that success to. Hey, Trevor. And I love the idea of routines because talking to kids or talking to athletes a lot, the, the great ones have routines. Right, well, it's a pregame routine, preparing their mind and body. And even like the night before, like you said, sleeping, what you're eating, doing those things. And as Jason mentioned, you, you do all that visualization. You get in that moment. 
and all of a sudden you make a mistake. And for example, like Brett Maher, the kicker from the Dallas Cowboys, right? He's kicking in the playoffs and he's missing extra points and he can't even make an extra point. And he's missed like four of them and they won't even let him kick like 20 something yarders. And this kid, this guy's kicked 50 yarders, 50 something yarders, got a boot of a leg and he can't even function. And you see high athletes like that, that maybe make a mistake and it compounds into another mistake and it builds and they can't get back to really function the way that they know how they can perform. What do you suggest when like athletes are getting that moment where mistakes are made instead of compounding it into another mistake, you can get reset back to performing the way you're capable of? Yeah, that is, um, it, it's a definitely a, an obstacle that, that every athlete faces. And, you know, I think just following up on, on the routine, you know, the routine is a routine. It's in, it's not a superstition. It's not something that you should feel, you know, if you have 10 things listed out and number five doesn't go exactly the way you wanted, or all 10 things don't go exactly the way you wanted. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to result in, in failure on the field or in, in, in your, in whatever you're competing. And I think that's important um, to realize I, that was a hard lesson for me because my routine was so important to me and being put in a position of, of being a relief pitcher or a closing pitcher, you in, in that role there, the routine is tough because a lot of times the game is unpredictable or I'm sure being a kicker, you can't really predict what, how the game is going to play out when your when your number is going to be called and which kick is going to be the most important. Um, so you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable and, and realize just because you think X, Y, and Z are going to equal the, the success. Sometimes you can still achieve the success with, without the X, Y, and Z going exactly how you wanted. Um, and then I think the other thing is too, speaking about failure is failure is inevitable. We're, we're all going to, we're all going to experience fail, failure. The, the best in the world experience the failure. And um, it's, it's, it's one, how you, you know, what you learn from it, recognizing, the failure was my responsibility, not, not pointing the finger at your teammate or the, the person that interrupted your routine. Um, you know, you're responsible for your own actions and, and ultimately the only person that, that can be responsible for the outcome. Um, but then also knowing failure is, is something that shouldn't hold you back. You know, I think I've heard failure is a, a long, a long sheet that's very wide, but it's also, paper thin. And, and when you can, when you can go, you know, learn to get through the failure and, and understand that it, it's, it'd be much worse to not take the chance to, to wonder what if, than to go ahead and, and, and pursue it and, and, and take that opportunity. And, and you'll never know unless you, unless you do go out there and you make that next kick or that next pitch. Um, not not saying that the 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 result is going to be guaranteed to be successful, but you have to be w willing to to take that risk and and I think it comes down to the humiliation or being humiliated. If if you're not willing to put yourself in those scenarios, um, it's going to be very hard to ever advance in, in whatever you're pursuing. Well, I think what you said, Trevor, it's like failure. It's you know it's inevitable. You're going to make mistakes. Like expect the expected, right? And almost like looking at failures, to me, sometimes people 
look at failure as, you know, the end of it, you know, and it almost they stop instead of keep going and understand that doesn't define you, it more refines you if you go about it the right way. But I do know yourself looking at your career and your journey, you've had individuals that have been like mentors in your life, like a Matt Holiday, different ones that you've been around um, and maybe sharp you make you better. Is that something you recommend people to have mentors in your life, especially going through sports or life and the challenges and keeping your mind right? And if so, how do you go about selecting the right group of individuals to be mentors and be in your life? Yeah, ben, mentors have been a huge, a huge part of my life. And um, I, I think, you know, there's certainly people that have achieved great things without mentors. I, I would believe that. And I think that, you know, that comes back to the men, no one can do the work for you except you. And, and that's a, that's a fine line. You know, we often will, will find somebody that is encouraging us or giving us advice, plans, tips, whatever it may be, or, you know, even coaching training. Um, and you can, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line. There's a trap almost where you could, if it doesn't go how you, they're, they're telling you it's going to go or how you're expecting you could place that that responsibility on them. You could place that blame of the failure on the person that's mentoring you, and 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 so that that's a tough place to be in, and it, that just goes back to recognizing, okay, Trevor, I'm, like I'm responsible for me. At the end of the day, whatever happens, it's it's nobody else's fault but mine, and that goes with the with the failures and the successes. And you know, I want to be humble. Certainly with the successes, I've been very fortunate with my circumstances and the people I've been surrounded with, but none of those people um, woke up when the alarm went off. You know, at the end of the day, you have to make the choices of, of where you want to be. And um, but if I'm mentoring an individual and, and certainly I, I am right now, especially in the baseball world and, and a couple outside of the baseball world. And, and that's a conversation we have if, if, when they tell me what they're trying to do, what they're trying to achieve. And I'll ask them, okay, what is there a person that has done this before that you can look at and, and learn from how they got there, what they're doing today, start to you know, pick out some of the attributes that you could start to practice right now, right, right today that um, you see them doing that might maybe not make sense to you, but it, I, oftentimes those people that have achieved it are, are great examples and, and provide us um, a learning opportunity. And, and instead of having to learn some of those lessons ourselves or go the hard way, you know, you mentioned Angela Duckworth and, and her book, Grit. Those, those materials, these, these lives that have been lived, in, lived before us or the person that's out on the mound right now pitching the eighth inning before me, they're all setting, they're all providing a learning experience. And, and the if, if you're trying to get somewhere a little bit faster, I, I certainly believe drawing on somebody else's experience. And oftentimes in literature, it's, it's, a, it's a lifelong experience that's summed into 30, 300 pages that I can digest right now today and, and put that into my life without having to have the life to learn the hard lessons and, and write a book. And, and maybe that'll help me get to where I'm going a little bit faster. So I, I certainly uh, have been very fortunate to have great mentors. You mentioned um, Matt Holiday, and and there's many others. Um, and I just saw in them one that what they were achieving on the baseball field, and that's what I wanted more than anything. And so I was started to pay attention 
to their whole life and all the decisions that we were making, they were making. And I wanted to emulate that in the hopes of having the result of something close to what they've had. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy today that I made that decision. Yeah, think about it, Trevor, in today's day and age with like when I was growing up, we didn't have as much computers until I was in at college. But now, you know, you got computers, you got YouTube, you got all these type of things that, you know, you might even find mentors like young athletes. You can find mentors that maybe you're not talking to on a daily basis by, you know, researching them and what they do. Like you mentioned Tom Brady, LeBron James. I mean, they're playing in their 40s. Right. But if you study them. They take care of their bodies in an amazing ways, right? The nutrition, the sleep, and the things they do. Is there like a message you can give to even like athletes in general? Because I see young athletes like they don't think sleep's that important. Or they're like eating a bunch of candy or sugar or that's what they're filling their diets up. And they're not eating maybe, you know, a lot of good nutrition. Is there things you can talk to them about and maybe shift in their mindset, how they think about those things, help them not only compete at a high level, but to sustain that over time. Yeah. I, you know, there's um, early when I was in high school, I think is when I first started search re doing research on my own and utilizing the internet and, and what was out there. And it, it really looked like Googling images of pitchers that were the best in the game at that time. And I think of, you know, Roger Clemens or, or Nolan Ryan and, um, and other pitchers that were performing in the major leagues at a high level at that time. And I would, I would still look at just still shots of images there. The video was harder to come by at that time than it is now. Um, and I would just compare myself and, you know, how do I look compared to them, how, this position versus that position. And um, that, that uh, I think that was really instrumental for me, like I said, learning from other people. Um, but at the same time, I feel lucky that there wasn't a ton of information because in today's day and age, I think we can fall prey to, you know, information overload. And um, every day trying to find something new, trying to find the motivation for today or try and find a, a secret sauce that, well, LeBron James drove this car to the to the arena today. So maybe if I have that car, that'll equal the success. And I mean, it just goes back to the, there's no magic pill. There's no formula. Um, there's some foundational recipes that continue to be proven over and over scientifically and with real life experience. And and it certainly comes down to those things of of how, how are you you know preparing? It's, it's the the sleep. The sleep is certainly important. We, we can look at all the science, all the research that shows um, optimal hormone levels are a result of of sleep and, and diet and training. And, and those three things are irreplaceable. There's no, there's nothing you can do to re replace a, a resistance strength training program to develop hypertrophy and muscle. There's no uh, supplement or, uh, or, or drink or, or, you know, a magic formula or magic pill that's going to give you the results of, of eating, you know, the steak and the vegetables or, you know, whatever the, the your, your body requires for optimal nutrition. And there's nothing that's going to make you feel rested like a good night's sleep. Uh, and, and I think seeking out that information is, is certainly important. And you want to get as the right, you know, get as much information as you can and, and continue to be learning. Um, I'm not saying that you, you've got to, you, you ever stop. I'm still learning to this day, but education without practice 
um, doesn't really do a whole lot for an individual. At the end of the day, like you're going to have to make some changes or put that education into practice. And Trevor, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, being a pitcher and, you know, all the things that involve the professional life, your personal life, your family is really important to you, right? And in the being a professional athlete, it's not always conducive to to family. Right? You're gone a lot evenings, especially if you have young kids, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, how have you been able to stay, you know, connected with your family, your wife, your kids, even though your schedule you know, is late nights, a lot of traveling, a lot of training. You know, what have you been able to do to still keep that close relationship and keep your family happy, healthy and, and moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's probably, you know, the big, one of the biggest challenges. And um, I, I'm so lucky, you know, my wife and I, we were married, we got married very young. I was 21. She was 22. Uh, we started having, we had our first child at our first daughter at 23 and 24. And um, so it's almost all I've ever known, but I, I'm, I'm lucky that she's been, she's been the rock. She, she's been there for, for our family, willing to do anything um, that was needed on, on the home front or sacrifices that she had to make to, to make me feel, you know, the most supported and, and give me the space and the opportunity to invest that time and dedication that it, that it took or it has, it continues to take to, to do you know, what I've been doing in, in the athlete world. Um, and, and without that, that can, that can certainly be a huge challenge, but for me, it's been an amazing blessing. And, uh, I don't think I would have been able to achieve the success I have today without that, without that support system. And, and that, that, that's one of those things that I think can fall into the, the good distraction category. And, and you learn, you know, sometimes it's really good to have, you know, to take those good distractions and, um, on the on-field performance, the, the athletic ventures are not all life is about. Those things are going to come to an end. And uh, Trevor is going to be a non-playing baseball player a lot longer than he's going to be a baseball playing player. So it's, it's important to keep things in perspective. And, um, and, and, and really, it comes down to priority. And uh, I think you can fall into that trap where, you know, and I have at times and I've had to make adjustments where I put too much priority on, on one section of the pie chart being, being baseball and training and the, the pie chart, the slice for family time gets a little bit too small. And, and you, you, you start to feel those effects personally and I think professionally. And, and so I think um, having the balance is important no matter what you're doing, you, you gotta, you have to realize it. Life isn't all about one section of the pie. It's not all family. It's not all professional and it's not all me. Um, we have to, you have to balance things out, but that I think I've been fortunate being in the baseball world, learning that it, it, it doesn't have to be traditional. Uh, the birthday, the Valentine's day, the, the, the holidays, the celebrations don't have to fall in line with w when everybody else is doing it. We, you know, we might have an off day, on a Monday or a, a Thursday, and there's not really much going on in the world, but for that day, we would be intentional and, and take that time to celebrate and, and prioritize spending time to each other. And, and that's what we've had to do. We've had to learn along the way. Uh, neither my wife or I came from professional athletic backgrounds, and we this, this lifestyle is completely new to us. Um, so we've had to make those adjustments and learn, learn as we went. But it's really what you make of it. And if you, you can put little things into place um, for us, 
one of those little things has been we we don't ever go more than a, a certain amount of time without seeing each other in person. Uh, certainly with technology, we're able to FaceTime every single day and, and talk and have those conversations. And, um, but at the same time, that, that physical aspect is, is, uh, is, is, is just as important. And, and so we know uh, whatever season we're in, we're, we're not, we're going to set a boundary and okay, if this many days goes, go by and we haven't been able to spend time with each other or see each other, we're, we're going to make it happen. Um, and, and we've learned that from a lot of the mentors and people and, and families that we've looked up to that have had success with their families. And we've adopted those into our own lives. How do you, though, Trevor, you know, when you talk about that professional athletics, I think it's more difficult today with social media and everything that's there. Right. And, you know, you hear that a lot where a lot of times athletes or people in high performing jobs or careers, they can't leave it where they're at. They can't leave it on the baseball field. They take it home with them or they're around their family. They're spending time, but it's not quality time. They're distracted by things that are going on, right? They're not present. I mean, what are ways that you can like strategies, maybe you use suggestions to help even for myself as a coach. Sometimes it's hard for me. I, I'm not present at times at home, right? How do we get more present to make it not just spending time, but make it quality time? Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, everything else you just can, you have to continue to learn. And uh, we all make mistakes and, and those mistakes that we make from not being present, you feel them, you know, I'll, maybe if I, if I'm not present the night before I had a tough night or it didn't go exactly the way I wanted, or maybe it did. And I, I'm just running that over in my mind. And instead of um, spending the time with the family it, fully like I should be. And when I leave the next day on the road trip and I'm sitting in my hotel room missing my family, it quick you quickly realize like, oh, I, I wish I was there. I wish I could have that time back. And you you can't have that time back. So just continuing to learn, um, continuing to understand that there's there's only so much time that you have and in in our jobs, our jobs get often for for whatever profession, our jobs get the majority of our time. And and so you, when you're when you're working, give it give it everything you have. Go go to work. Um, put your phone in your locker. Put your phone put your phone down if you're able to, and give everything you have. Get all all your attention goes right here. And then when you come home, all your attention that stays at work, and then all your attention is focused on what you're doing at home. Um, and for me, that that's been a hard lesson to learn. Uh, but one that I think is valuable, but it's going to continue to be a challenge. It's, it's one that every single day we have to work at. Yeah. So Trevor, something we've done with our family is like, you know, we have, we have friends that we don't see very often. Like you mentioned, like you don't go very long without seeing your family, but we, we've always called it an holiday before where we've literally celebrated every holiday with friends. We don't see very long in one weekend. So we did like new year's Christmas, uh, Valentine's day, uh, Easter, everything, all, and the kids were like, oh my gosh, this is like the coolest thing ever. So, you know, to your point, like it doesn't have to be the traditional way of, of doing things. The key is connection and the key is intent at the end of the day. And I think, you know, what I'm going with this is, you know, Jim mentioned staying present, but not only present, but being intentional with your wife, with your kids and them, you know, you may feel like you're being present, but how, like helping them know like, hey, you know, you matter to me more than anything I'm doing. How have you been better about being more intentional uh, with your kids, with your wife, so that they know that that uh, your your wife cares and your kids care? Yeah, it's 
I mean, again, again, the intention, intentionality is really the, the biggest thing. If you're, if you are intentional about trying about pursuing something, um, the results are going to come and you're going to continue to get better and better at it. You know, life, life, relationships, everything is a dance and there's a, there's a flow to it. And there's, you're going to have missteps, you're going to mess up, but the longer you, you practice, the longer you play, the better you're going to get at that dance. And, and for me, it's, coming down to thinking about myself and how, how, how do, when do I feel good? How would I want to be treated? Um, what, when people give me attention or my wife in our relationship, when do I feel, feel them, feel them, feel the most fulfilled and how to, and so then it's, it's as simple as, okay, I'm going to reciprocate that. I'm going to be an example of what I like or what, what fills me up for them. And it, and it starts with that. And then that's what, that's, I think as a as a as a husband, as a father, and as a as a male figure in our in our home, I take a lot of uh, pride and, and responsibility in, in being that leader. And and just because it's not it's just because it's not happening now or uh, it's not happening today, um, the change or the disciplines or the intentionality it's going to start with me, and the rest of the pieces are going to fall into place. Um, but oftentimes. If there's something that's lacking, it, it's because you, you, we can point at point at myself. I, I can look at myself and what I'm doing, and, and I'm I'm probably not doing the best job that I could be doing um, to set that example. And and that's been a lesson I've had to learn. And and today it's something that that hasn't changed. Hey, Trevor, as a parent, like you said, you didn't really grow up in professional athletics, right? Now you're a professional athlete. Now like you have a daughter. It's maybe 12 and 10, right? You got two daughters. And I feel like sometimes when, you know, it could be a daughter or son of a professional athlete, it's kind of challenging at times because they expect certain things from those kids, right, to be at a certain level when they play, you know, youth sports. What are suggestions and maybe things that you've learned of how to maybe navigate through youth sports with your children? You use a professional athlete, but also just parents in general of things they can do to help it to be a better experience for the kids themselves. Yeah, it's that's a tough one. I mean, we all we all are very prideful, and you know, we we view our kids as being the best ever. And there's no uh, no individual that will bring us more joy or admiration than than your own than your own kids and, and getting to watch them experience something. Um, and that that can also be extremely difficult and can skew the vision of you know skew the reality of what's really happening. Um, and I, I try and really draw on my experience in professional athletics and knowing, you know, this life is, it's a marathon and it's, it's not a sprint and there's not really anything I could do right now today that is going to change who this, who they're going to be as a performer, who they're going to be um, long-term. It's going to be the accumulation of, of a lot of things over a lot of days and, uh, and, and I try and remember that in those moments that might be frustrating or the, the ref, the, the judge or the teammate, the coach doesn't do exactly what you think is, is best for your, your own kid. And, um, and, and let a lot of those things develop organically and not push on them. And, and remember that they are young. And, and today, 32 years old, I'm still learning uh, from daily and past experiences on how to be the best person athlete that I could be. And, and so not putting that pressure on them too early, uh, but developing those, those character, those character traits where 
they can realize, yeah, if I, if I do show up and do the work, if I do have the discipline, if I do make the sacrifices, the results will, will come and there will be success on the back end of those. And I think for me, that's, that's the most important lesson that I could give to my kids than, than any accomplishment that they could possibly have is I, I just want them to understand um, to achieve anything. It, it's going to take a great deal of perseverance. It's going to take a great deal of, of dedication and work towards that goal. And um, you might, you might not end up being the best or being exactly where you wanted, but I, I'm certain you're going to be pretty close. I think like you said, Trevor and Jason, we talk a lot about this is, you know, it's their experience. It's their journey. It's not mine. Like I tell my son a lot like basketball, you don't have to play basketball, right? It doesn't, that doesn't have to be something you do. It could be something totally different, right? Find that passion and then let it be their experience. But as you said, it, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And it, it, what you become through the sport, the life lessons you learn are going to help you succeed, whether you play sports or don't play sports. I think sometimes parents, we get caught up in, we want our child to do so well in a particular sport, to, to be a certain way, and we get so emotionally involved in it, instead of releasing them to the sport and let them become the best version of themselves. Yeah, and and, I, and that's been my experience, and I think that's why I have a unique perspective is, um, you know, my we, I never had an idea growing up that I was going to be a professional athlete. I never had an idea that I was going to be a major league baseball all-star, pitching a World Series. Um, that was that that thought was really never there. And um, I was able to enjoy my childhood and have those experiences. And um, I'm thankful for my parents and especially my dad, the 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 work ethic and disciplines that he instilled in me at a young age, I think, are my success today as a result of a lot of those um, character traits. But you don't know you, you can't. At, looking at a nine-year-old child, you can't predict where they're going to go. And you, I certainly don't want to put that pressure on them. And at the same time, I, I think you certainly don't want to limit them. Uh, I think, I mean, I know today uh, the, the conversations I've had with prior teammates, prior coaches that I had in my youth, none of them envisioned that I would be where I was at today. And, I, and at that time, I'm sure a lot of them had conversations or even told me to my, to my face that, you're not going to be a professional. Like you're going to have to get a real job. You're not going to be able to throw a base a ball for a living, and and they and they would have all been wrong. Um, so for me, that I, that's the viewpoint and perspective I try and come from is who who knows what's going to happen, good or bad. You know, we we can't predict the future, um, but I, I I don't I want to just be along for the ride and and be there. And, and, and with your kid, with your children, it's, it's, Hey, no matter what happens, like nothing's going to change for me being your dad and thinking that, you know, you're the most important person in the world to me. And, and, and that's, that's, that's my approach right now, but my kids are young. So I know that as we get into these teenage years and uh, man, the, the, I think there's some challenges that are going to lie ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, it, Trevor, it always goes back to like, you know, at the end of the day, did you teach your kids to believe themselves, whatever they're doing, right? Confidence, those things, because those are the things that no matter what they do, they have a sense of self-worth, self-belief, a faith aspect. You know, like you, like you always talk about like the importance of having belief in God and then having some kind of foundation, then everything else will take care of itself, whatever they end up doing. So I think that's the most important thing is, you know, support them, encourage them. 
And then when they make mistakes, you're there for them no matter what. Like you mentioned, being unconditional, like the, what you do in sports does not determine how much I love you or care about you or cheer for you or not. And so, um, and as we wrap up, we always do like the last three, uh, we do four questions with 40 athletes. So these are four like lightning round questions that we ask our guests to hear our last little bit of insight from them. And the first one is, is typically my favorite because I love it. The answer is always so unique and different. But the first one is this to you, what does it mean to win in the game of life? Yeah, that's a, that's a, I mean, that's tough. I think it, cause I think it changes. I think it's I, my answer five, 10 years ago would have been different. And I think maybe in five or 10 years, it could be different than today. Um, I, my perspective today, I look at, at winning life, man, there could be so many things that would define that. And uh, I really tried to think about this, but I think at the end of the day, I, it's it's every single day is is a new game and um i don't know if that mindset comes from baseball where we do play so many games it doesn't matter you know if if we're sitting here in the middle of july and i and i just pitched a game yesterday and had three strikeouts on nine or ten pitches you know an immaculate inning i did the best yesterday that you could possibly view as performance well when i woke up today there's a new game and there's zeros on the scoreboard and there's a new clock and it's about to start. And it, what I did yesterday has no impact on today's game. The, the, it will, the strikeouts yesterday don't transfer. And, and I, and that's what I'm learning. And I think that's how I'm viewing my days as I go each day right now, it doesn't matter good or bad what my performance was yesterday. Today is a, is a new day to wake up and, and I got, I have to win this day today. And, and then it's going to start all over again tomorrow. So uh, that's my viewpoint, I think, right now on, on viewing life. But it, it might change. <laughs> well, you know, next year, too, you know, you don't have the shift anymore, right? So everybody's got to stay like two uh, infielders got to stay on both sides of the bag now. So you don't even have that extra infielder on, on the lefty now. Yeah the, yeah, the rules of life are constantly changing. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so number two, if you could spend time with anyone you admire within sports, alive, passed away, fictional, non-fictional, you know, who would you pick and why would you choose them? Yeah, this is a cool one. Uh, my answer, like as a kid, probably would have been Mike Matheny and Albert Pujols. Um, when I was a young player, I had, I had my younger brother was a catcher and he really looked up to Mike Matheny. And so I started to follow Matheny when he was in his time in St. Louis um, while I lived in Kansas City. And just admired him as a as a leader and his, his abilities and his skill set. But then I, it just seemed even just viewing as a fan, for, you know, that he had this he, he had this effect on the team. He had this persona and, and just demanded this level of respect or just the, a true leader. You could you could just visibly see the leadership coming from the position he had on the field. And, and then the other one would have been Albert Pujols. Um, I mean, just a phenomenal – growing up watching him play, he was doing things that had never been done before, and, and you just couldn't help but be attracted to that. And I'm, I'm lucky now I've actually been able to experience life with, with both of those individuals, so I can't use them. Um, and, and so reflecting on that question today, I came, I came to the conclusion that I think it would be guys like Jackie Robinson or Roberto Clemente – um, and learning about the, the lives that they had and the, 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 what they were able to achieve in their professional, professional lives um, through so much adversity. I don't think we could 
I don't think I could ever relate to entering into an arena where everything was stacked against you. And it really, that talking about that internal conversation and that internal visualization of pursuing your dream or your goal, um, that, that just takes it to a whole nother level. I, I can't imagine the grit and the fortitude that those, those individuals um, had, to, had to teach themselves and, and surmount to achieve that success. You know, you talk about Albert Pujols. Uh, I remember my dad was a baseball coach at Alabama University. So he was at, um, you know, in junior college in Maple Woods, right? And my dad would be talking to scouts, you know, Royal Scouts, different scouts about him. And hey, he could hit like he could really hit. And they're like, well, I don't know if he can play a position, fill the position, whatever. And you think about it like a guy like him, like I tell athletes all the time, it's like people might have a perception of you or think a certain way or whatever. But you can't listen to what people think about you, per se. You got to believe in yourself because look at the career he's had. And then people didn't know whether they should draft him or not or could play a position and what he's become a Hall of Famer. So um, interesting you mentioned him. And then the third question is, what is the best advice you ever received from like a coach you played for or worked for or been around? Yeah, this is a cool one. Um, when I was in high school, we took a trip to Arizona and played in a baseball tournament down there. And uh, my coach at the time had a relationship with the head coach of the University of Arizona State's baseball program, who was uh, Pat Murphy. Uh, my, my summer ball coach actually played for him at the University of Arizona State. And so he set up a meeting where we were able to go and tour the university, tour the complex, the facilities. And then at the end of that, we had uh, some time that we spent with Pat Murphy. And he gave, he gave our team a talk and for whatever reason, I don't really remember everything that he said or much of anything else, but he, he ended the conversation with the best compliment that you could get in the game is that you were a great teammate. And for whatever reason, that, that just stuck with me. And I, I, I've, I think that really has defined um, a lot of how I've approached my career and how I've approached my work and, 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 and trying to have that be almost front and center of, okay, when this is, when the dust settles, when this is all, when this is all done, what are your teammates going to, what are the, what are they going to say about you? And what, what does it really look like to be a great teammate? And, and, you know, through my pursuit of answering that question and, and trying to make sure that um, at least at the end of the day, my, my peers won't say I was a bad teammate. I don't know if they'll say I was a great teammate, um, but I, I think that's afforded me a lot of the success that I've had along the way. And um, I mean, it goes back to some some key principles of uh, put, you know, being putting others first, being selfless, um, doing the extra, going the extra mile, doing the extra work that is not necessarily in your job description or required of you um, and, and just treating others the way you want to be treated. And so it's a it, it's a, it's a great a great question, and I think one that I, I would love to be able to pass along to future generations. Like Jason says, teamwork makes the dream work, right? You gotta be a it good is. That uh, last question is if you could have one character trait or life skill, say you're a coach and you're you know recruiting somebody to play for you, you have a business, somebody's working for you, what would it be and why? Yeah. And I think this is so important um, and it's, it's easy to now today being a little bit more mature and having the experience of, of coaching uh, when you're, when you're young, it's, 
it's hard to understand how valuable coaches are. And, um, and the ones that are talented are, are certainly impressive, but it, if I'm working with somebody, I think just and even looking at my children, it's, it's having this willingness to fail or willingness to really just be humiliated. And, um, you know, it goes back to the topic of if, if you don't ever try something new or do something that's out of your comfort zone, I, I just feel like you're going to be left with this question of, of what if, or almost of a regret of like, well, what if I would have gone out on that limb? And what if I would have tried this? What if I would have taken um, that coach's advice and changed my grip on that one pitch? Um, I, I think for me, that, that's what I would want. When I'm working with somebody, it's, yeah, we're, I'm in this with you. I want you to succeed at times, maybe more than you want to succeed. And most coaches do. Uh, but if, you, if you're, if, if the individual isn't willing to make a change or try something that doesn't feel right, um, it's going to be really hard for either of us to really figure out what, what is best. Well, Trevor, man, uh, it's been a joy having you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. Um, how can people connect with you or can they follow you? You know, uh, where is Trevor Rosendahl on social media or anywhere out there? Yeah. Um, main platforms, social media, be Instagram and Twitter. Um, that's how Jason and I were able to connect. And it's a great platform and resource for me to be able to connect with, with other people. So I'm active on there. And uh, if you, if you reach out, I will certainly have a conversation and, and, and we can connect. Yeah. Trevor, man, it's been a joy. Uh, you know, uh, wherever you sign, they're getting a great person as well as pitcher. So best of luck to you. And uh, you know, we'll be rooting for you regardless of what uh, uniform. Now, if it's Cubs, I might have to be a little bit, you know, but I think you have a great season regardless of where you go. Yeah, that, yeah, being in the Midwest, it's like the Cubs are always coming up in, in that topic, especially during my free agencies. But <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, I'm um, so exi excited for 40 athletes and what you guys are doing. I think this is going to be a tremendous resource uh, for families and athletes going forward. And um, I've gotten to experience a lot of the program that you've put together already. I know the individuals you have at, at your disposal to help with this whole, with this whole, um, with this whole program is, is just, it's just so cool. And um, it's going to change a lot of lives. And, you know, even if it just changes one, it's completely worth the time and effort. Yeah. Thanks Trevor. Thank you, Trevor. Have a good day. Yeah. Hi, Jimmy. Well, as we wrap up today, man, you know, it was great having Trevor on and uh, you know, thank you, Jimmy, for all the time you put the visionary behind 40 athletes and what it's become. So uh, as we move forward, uh, you know, we wrap up today. You know, have a great Wednesday, you know, snow day with the kids. You know what? God gives you a, a snow day. Go play out in the snow. Build a name. Yeah, I'm going to be like Trevor. I got to be present. I got to lock in, man. This is the day to be with the kids, family. Here we go. Absolutely, man. Well, again, enjoy your Wednesday. And uh, we'll see you next week on another episode. We're getting close to the number 100, man. Almost there a century one. Sounds good, right. Jason.